Hello everyone, it's Ryan Croto here from the Elite Physical Therapy Podcast. For those of you who are new to the Elite Physical Therapy Podcast, we are an outpatient-based physical therapy company based in Rhode Island, and we do have one clinic in Southern Massachusetts that evaluates and treats a plethora of conditions and injuries. This podcast series is a way to get you, the listeners, important information you need to know to stay healthy, avoid and prevent injury, help self-treat basic injuries, and just learn more about the physical therapy field in general. Today, I am joined by Marcella Donat, who is a physical therapist at our health studios clinic in Warwick. Uh, Marcella, if you could say hello to the listeners for me. Hello. So uh, for today's topic, we're going to be talking about pediatric care, um, because that's something that uh, Marcella specializes in. And before we get into that, I want Marcella to kind of just, you know, let the listeners know her story about uh, where, you know, where she grew up, where she went to college and her story of, you know, her career path to becoming a PT. So Marcella, if you wouldn't mind telling us your story. Sure. Um, so I am, uh, I was born in Columbia actually, and I was adopted and then I was raised in Rhode Island, um, grew up in Cranston, uh, went to Moses Brown and then, um, I went to Northeastern for, their direct entry program, which was a six-year program. Um, And then after that, I worked for two and a half years up there, and then I'm back down in Rhode Island. Um, I was fortunate enough to um, have my mom as kind of a mentor, who is, and she's a nurse. So when I started applying for schools um, or looking at schools, she knew that I was always interested in the healthcare profession. So she said, why don't I um, volunteer and shadow uh, physical therapist? So during my junior year, I did um, spend some time at Lifespan um, at Rhode Island Hospital and Hasbro Children's Hospital volunteering with the um, therapist there. And I fell in love with it. Um, so then when it was time for school, for to apply to school, I knew that I wanted to do PT. And I knew I wanted to do a direct entry program. So I'd come right out with um, a degree that I could go directly into working with. Yeah. So I also, uh, it's funny you say that. I also, my mother works for Lifespan and that's where I volunteered and uh, had some of my first observation hours as a PT. Uh, Well, actually not even a PT, technically a student in high school to get me into Mm -hmm. kind of getting a viewpoint on PT. And then I also did a direct entry program through Ithaca College just six years straight through, which I think is definitely the way to go. I um, know. It is. It's just a lot less stressful, I feel like, for students. Um, instead of having to apply through and compete, um, you kind of mm-hmm. compete right off the bat, which is, I felt like, less stressful. But Definitely. Let's get into today's topic, which is kind of, be, it's going to be about pediatrics uh, care. And from what we've talked about prior, Marcella, you have practiced pediatric care for you said about two and a half, three years prior to coming to elite physical therapy. So I guess my first question for you is what made you so interested in pediatric care? Um, so starting when I was young, I've always done babysitting or was camp counselor. Um, so I was always working with kids. Um, and then when I was in high school, there was um, a set of triplets that lived near us. And I um, noticed one day that one of the triplets wasn't um, developing as quickly as the other triplets. 
And um, so then as time went on and we got to know them really well, um, one of the kids, the the triplet that wasn't developing as well was using all kinds of different um, equipment. So walkers and um, crutches and was just doing all these different kinds of things. And so from there, that's when I was like, huh, that would be really interesting to be able to put my passion for healthcare and my passion for um, kids together. And I didn't really know much about pediatric physical therapy until I went to um, Hasbro and was able to observe in the clinic there. And it was just incredible to see the kids, um, how much they develop with P, uh, with physical therapy, um, as basic as like learning how to swim or um, learning how to take their first steps when they're like five. Um, so that really um, was incredible to see. And then from there, that was what I focused on in school too. Yeah. Awesome. So, so as like pretty much the go-to, I would say, person from what I understand, the company for pediatrics, having all that uh, year's experience, could you kind of describe to the listeners and even to, to myself for therapists who don't really know much about pediatric care, um, how pediatric evaluations and treatments are different from your uh, basic kind of adult treatment session or geriatric treatment sessions? Sure. So um, a lot of times in the pediatric evaluation, um, the questions that I ask, the subjective questions that I'm usually asking the parents and even the kid, depending on how old they are, um, it's a, I look at the whole, um, picture, not like necessarily just a specific body part. So a lot of times in ortho, we see someone coming in for their neck or their back, um, or their foot. And so if, the kiddos that I see, usually I have to take in um, their whole developmental history. So um, if, so starting from birth, like was, um, was it a difficult birth? Were there any complications at birth? Um, And then moving forward from there, were they meeting all of their developmental milestones um, on target or were they behind? Were they ahead? Um, So kind of looking at the whole picture um, before I can really dive into specifics with the kids um, and specific goals that we're working towards. And the other big thing um, for the treatment sessions is that the you have to be creative and you have to be fun. Um, you have to kind of trick the kids into doing something that's an exercise um so like a kid's just not going to sit there and do heel slides or bridges um they're they're going to get bored with it after doing one or two of them so um you know we have to like make a bridge and hold it so I can drive a car underneath them or make a bridge and we can and try to kick a ball towards the wall um to get it into a target while they're um, so focusing on getting the kids to do, to do the activities that I want them to do, but without them realizing that they're doing work. Um, and I think they, I give them a little bit more choice than I would my normal patient of, okay, what do you want to do today? And then I can figure out, especially because of how much I've been able to practice with it, um, with kids 
just giving them that choice and then figuring out how we can work their choice into what I want them to do versus so that way the kids feel like they have some type of say in the treatment, um, I think has really helped too. Yeah, no. And, and that makes complete sense. I, I have had the chance to work with, I wouldn't say exactly kiddos or, you know, kids under the age of like five or six, but when I was in schooling and we were going through pediatric courses, it seemed like the treatment sessions are more based on play and you have to be more creative to kind of get or elicit the response you want from the child um, versus an adult who you can kind of just tell them what's going on and what you're looking for. Um, mm-hmm. It definitely it definitely makes sessions more fun, though. You got to be definitely energetic from what I understand. But uh, going off of that, what are some of the most common conditions you've seen in the clinic um, here at Elite Physical Therapy, the most common, I guess, yeah, conditions you would say? Um, so probably the most common is torticollis, which is um, when a baby, usually an infant between the ages of zero to six months comes in um, with some tightness in their neck. So the parents either notice a flatness in the back of their head or they're tilting um, and looking more towards one side than the other side. Um, so usually it's the parents that notice it. Um, or the pediatrician who will notice it. Um, So that's probably the most common that I see. Um, I do see um, a lot of kids, well, I do see some kids with other developmental um, delays. So I've seen kids with cerebral palsy. I've seen kids um, with Sturger-Weber syndrome. I've seen kids with um, Charge syndrome. So those are all different um, different diagnoses that affect their tone in their muscles, how they are able to move around, their general mobility, um, their development, and achieving those gross motor milestones because um, they're usually delayed. Um, I've seen kids with prosthetics. Um, so kind of a whole slew of them and just um, – Depends year to year, really, is what we see. Yeah. So I guess going off of that, it is a perfect segue into how important, if you could just discuss how important, you know, PT isn't uh, for a child with a developmental disability, how important it is for that child to try to get some sort of PT and how um, the difference between not having PT and having PT, you can kind of get them back on some of those targeted goals for um, developmental milestones. So some of the most, um, the biggest thing that I would say with pediatric PT, especially for kids with any kind of developmental delay, um, is, you know, your primary goal is to get them to be functional and um, have access to whatever they want to have access to. Um, So they might not it might not look quote unquote normal to some kids, like how they're doing something, um, but getting them to be able to ride a bike, um, even if it's with adaptations that we might have to add to the tricycle or the bicycle, um, or getting them to do something that they might not, that they might not be able to do otherwise if they didn't have PT. Um, I think that if you ever think that your kid or someone you know, like, might not be getting to the point that they might need a little bit more help 
doing something like jumping or even walking, um, it's always nice to have a second set of eyes um, because as parents, you look at it completely differently than as a physical therapist. Um, And so the physical therapist can help guide you into different ideas that you can work with um, within the home setting um, or within the school setting to be able to get that kid to access the things that they want to access and the things that they need to access. Yeah. No, no, I think that was really well said. I remember just learning about, um, and you, you really touched upon it well, about how, you know, it might not seem normal to others and how, you know, you might be able to, with pediatric PT, get them to show some normal, let's see, I guess the word would be in movement, but sometimes you, it's more of they have to make an adaptive movement for kind of their deficit, if that makes sense, if I understood you correctly. Yes, that's exactly it. Okay. So moving on to like the last question, uh, I wanted to ask you kind of as someone who has all this experience uh, with working with kiddos, what are some tips and strategies you could give to therapists or even PT students who are looking to go into, I guess, the pediatric field for physical therapy? Um, so what I had taught or talked through with my last student that I had at Elite um, was always having a plan. Obviously, you want to ha- always have a plan with all of your patients. But when it comes to kids, you want to have plans A through like at least D, if not more. You want to have at least four different plans because you never know what kind of mood the kid is going to come in with. If they're going to be super obedient, then you're going to be able to go with plan A. But if they are just not feeling anything to do, they want nothing to do with you during the therapy session, or they want nothing to do with the toy that you picked out or they picked out initially, um, you always have to have plans B, C, D, and all the way on. Um, And along with that comes with knowing, like going, knowing what toys and activities you have, um, and how you can get them to use those toys. So like I use a lot of um, board games or um, coloring, but we do it in different ways. So if the kid chooses coloring for the day and we're working on getting some more, um, some more balance um, in different positions, then I'm going to have them do it in half kneeling or kneeling on um, an uneven surface or even standing with one foot on an uneven surface. Um, so just kind of having that in your toolbox is um, one of the, the thing that I told my student was go into our playroom and figure out, look at each activity and have five different ways that you can have, that you can utilize that toy. Um, so that way you can always kind of go back to that um, when your kid is just really throwing you for a loop and you have no idea what you can do. Um, at least you can go in and be like, okay, I can use this ball in this way, this way, and this way, um, I think has been, is super helpful for anyone who is interested or wants to do more with kids is always being able to have that creative thought, even if you have to do it on the spot. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I haven't treated, like I said, any kids, but I just know from having younger relatives and cousins and whatnot, you always got to be thinking on the fly with them for sure. So very, very well said. Um, 
So I always end off every episode here at the Elite Physical Therapy Podcast with the question of what is your favorite um, deficit body region to treat? Um, so you can focus either on pediatrics or just in general. I'll, I'll let you choose. Oh, man. Um, that's hard. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would probably say that one of my favorite, I guess it would be more of a deficit than a treatment area, is um, gait training with kids. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to help that kid achieve that first step, even if it's with a walker um, or some other kind of assistive device, I think that is their first step. Oh, well, besides crawling and kneeling and stuff, it's one of their first steps towards that independent mobility. And that's kind of the overarching goal for any kid is to be able to get them as independent as possible. So getting a kid to walk for the first time, I think is, or working on that walking, I think is probably one of the most rewarding things to do. Awesome. Yeah. No one said anything about gait training so far. So that's definitely a deficit that we see here in physical therapy. Um, And -hmm. I couldn't agree more. It's definitely one of the most rewarding, no matter if they're in pediatrics, geriatrics, a young adult, it doesn't matter. It is definitely a rewarding thing that everyone wants to be able to, um, to do or get back to doing if they had some type of injury. Um, but Marcella, thanks again for joining us on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, no problem. And I once again, want to thank everyone who tuned in, uh, for today's episode. We appreciate all of our listeners and followers here at the elite physical therapy podcast. Just want to send out that friendly reminder to follow us on all of our social media platforms, such as Instagram and Facebook by just typing in simply elite physical therapy. And just remember, if you have any aches or pains or you're having any elective surgery, um, to give us a to give us a call at our main number at 401-737-4581 or look online to possibly schedule an appointment through our website at uh, elitephysicaltherapy.com. And then tune in for our episode that will be coming up sometime later this week. Um, and I believe the topic of discussion will be for runners. So definitely stay tuned for that. And we will see you then.